everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Accepted Podcast. My name is Harry with Tokyo Academics, and today we have our academic director, Caitlin, with us to talk to us about the new upcoming changes with the digital SAT. Caitlin, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, thank you so much. So, like Harry mentioned, I am an academic director here at Tokyo Academics. One of my primary, I guess, responsibilities that's really relevant to today's podcast is that I am currently developing our digital SAT course. I'm overseeing the development of the curriculum, de-、um, overseeing the development of our materials, and in addition to that, I'm preparing to teach it. Thank you so much, and、uh, thank you for taking the time to be on our show today. I'm sure the burning question in everyone's mind is how is the new SAT different from the old? Can you tell us a little bit about what exactly is different? Yeah, of course. So I think Tyler has already had a cursory podcast about some of the changes, right? So I'll go through the most basic stuff and then go into a couple of new details that may not have been mentioned in that original podcast. So the differences between the old SAT and the new digital SAT. First of all, like I just mentioned, it's going to be digital. It's administered in an app called Blue Book, which should be pretty easy for anyone to download on the College Board website. And all you need in order to access Blue Book is a College Board login, which your student should already have if they've ever taken a PSAT, an AP course, or if they've taken the SAT before. Now, getting into the main breakdown of the test. First of all, it is shorter on average.、Um, it's going to be about a little bit over two hours long, as opposed to the three hours that we currently see. And then it's going to be broken up only into two sections, and each of those sections is going to have two modules. The first section is your reading and writing section. So, what they've done here is they've taken the writing and then as well as the reading section, and they've actually pushed them together into one section. So, no longer are you going to have a separate、um, test section about grammar and a separate test section about reading, it's all together. Um, each of those modules is going to be 27 minutes long, so that's going to be a total of 54 questions for your reading and writing.、Um, the reading and writing section has gotten a serious makeover compared to the old SAT. So, no longer do you have really, really long passages and then, okay, answer questions 1 through 12. No. Now it's going to be one small passage, one question. Move on to the next question. One small passage, one question. Move on. And this is also going to be the same for the writing. So maybe students remember that it was a long passage and bits and pieces of the passage were underlined, and then you had to figure out okay, what's wrong here? You know, is it supposed to be a comma or a semicolon? Again, it's going to be one short passage, a couple of sentences with one grammar mistake that you have to fix. So that is going to be a really big change for English. It is looking almost entirely different to what maybe students have experienced in the past couple of years. Um, and we can get more into how to study for that later. But going on to the math section. So, the math section, it's two modules, and it's going to be 22 questions per module for a total of 44 questions. In general, what I've seen is that the math test hasn't changed too much, right? Math is math. Two plus two is always going to be four. Maybe some differences that students want to know. Of course, maybe you have already heard, it's all calculator based. Okay, so you no longer need to figure out things on your head or scratch paper. However, you still can bring scratch paper to the test center or they'll bring it to you, and you can still use your calculator in person or the one that's on the app. The in app calculator actually is just Desmos. 
Desmos is a really intuitive calculator online that students should already have used at one point in their career. So one thing that I recommend for students is to definitely get familiar with using Desmos. It's a lot more intuitive, especially for things like linear equations or quadratics. It should be actually a lot more easy to use compared to maybe a TI calculator. Um, some other changes with the math section in particular. So the student produced response questions, those are your free response, I guess, in a way. Instead of being at the very end of each section, they're peppered out throughout. So you might answer three questions, uh, they're multiple choice, and then one question that is short response, free response. The other thing that might be different is that on average, word problem length, it's going to be reduced. So this is good news for students who really struggle with word problems, right? Trying to figure out, okay, where's all the important information? How do I put it all together? And it should also be really good for students in general who maybe are ESL or just in general struggle with word problems. I think those are really the biggest differences when it comes to content and how the test is going to be administered. Something else to speak on with the modules. So the way that you perform in that first module is going to determine what your second module is. The way that College Board has explained it at this moment in time. Students are going to do their first module and then they will get split into two different second modules. So it's not that there's an infinite amount of different options for students. It's not that adaptive. It's only adaptive in the sense of two choices. So what's that gonna mean for strategy? You need to do really, really good in that first module in order to get the more difficult module and be able to access better scores. If you don't do well in your first module, you will be given a second module that is a little bit easier. But because of that, since your performance wasn't as great in that first module, you're not going to be able to access scores like that 1600 or that 1500. This is the way that it's been explained at the moment. Those are the main differences that I would impart onto parents and students. What other questions do you have, Harry? Thank you, Caitlin, for that comprehensive breakdown. That was a lot of changes, and I think you guys can really benefit from all of this uh, useful advice. I think a burning question on the top of my head would be, with all these changes, right? Like, how do I, what's the best way to prepare? Because this is the first time ever that this test is going to be given. Are old materials uh, good to study or are there new materials? And I think it's very limited, uh, the amount of prep material that's available. So for students who are gearing up to take on this new digital SAT, what is your advice to prepare? Yeah, so... I think that there is a way that students can utilize a mix of new and old materials, partially because there really isn't too many new materials to utilize effectively. But let me talk about the new materials that students can use. First of all, in Blue Book, there are at this moment, um, there are four practice tests, four official mock tests in the Blue Book app that students can take. Take them, practice them, get familiar with the interface of Blue Book. The other advice I have for that Take those tests on the device that you want to take to the test center. Um, during the testing, you are not going to be given a laptop usually by the test center. Students are going to bring their own device. They can bring either an um, Apple like Mac product, they can bring a laptop, they can bring a top tablet, or they can bring a school-managed Chromebook. This is a big emphasis on their website, so personal Chromebooks are not okay, but if it is a school-managed, their words, not mine, um, they can do that. So take those practice tests, take them on the device that you plan to use on test day. 
Another new resource that you can use is actually Khan Academy. So Khan Academy partnered with College Board in order to create a reading and writing module and a math module on their website. And what I really like about these modules is that it's not just teaching you the skills, which of course you need to know how to use a comma, right? Of course you need to know how to solve a linear equation. But it also tells you very specifically, this is what the question looks like on the test. Here is how you identify that this is a punctuation question, a question about modifiers, um, rhetorical synthesis. That's a new section, by the way. Look that up on Khan Academy. So those are the new resources, right? In terms of old resources, I would say for math, you should be pretty safe to use old SAT materials. Of course, focus on the sections that are calculator-based. So the non-calculator SAT sections you, you don't really need to worry about, right? Because everything is calculator now. English, you have to get a bit more creative. So grammar is still grammar, right? A semicolon is still used the same way that a semicolon was used last year. So in terms of just learning things like those grammar rules, that's really great. If you want practice on questions that look similar to what the digital SAT is going to have, though, you're not going to find them um, explicitly like one-to-one -one on the old SAT. Where you can find them, though, if you're able to find an uh, old, old digital SAT textbook online, and I'm talking before 2016, these tests, the pre-2016 SAT tests, have questions that look similar to what the digital SAT has. Let me elaborate a bit more. So on the old, old, pre-2016 digital SAT, there are reading passages that are short, the same way that the digital SAT passages are short. Okay, there's also a lot of a, a lot more vocabulary questions on the old pre-2016 um, SAT. And so you can practice vocabulary because guess what? Vocabulary is coming back. If you look this up on Khan Academy or College Board, they are called words in context questions. So vocab is back in style. Um, so my recommendation, maybe go to a local thrift store, um, go onto eBay or some kind of like old bookstore in general. Try to find textbooks from third parties or even like official SAT materials from before 2016, skim those English sections, look for the reading passages that are shorter, look for the grammar questions and the vocab questions that are similar. Especially once you've taken the actual mock test on Blue Book, you'll know exactly what you're trying to look for. So at the moment, right, because there are no third party materials for the digital SAT at the moment, 2023 is this weird space where international students are taking the digital SAT, third parties haven't caught on, right? I imagine that the lion's share of third-party textbooks, their profits are from the United States. So there's no urgency for them to build out textbooks for us over here in Japan or for wherever you're listening. So for that reason, this is how you can get creative, right? To reiterate, official Blue Book mocks, Khan Academy, old SAT materials, and for English, pre-2016 SAT materials. Wow, Caitlin. Uh, thanks for all of that. I'm writing all of this, these things down because I want to uh, get as prepared as I can for the new digital SAT. Now, for some of our listeners out there who, after hearing all of these things, are maybe just too overwhelmed by the changes and or uh, preparation strategies, um, is it okay if we just travel to the U.S. and take the, I guess, the paper-based version? Is that advised? So... If you are able to take the old SAT, right, in this year of 2023, um, I actually am not sure 
if technically you have to be living in the U.S. or not. I imagine that if you go to a boarding school in the U.S., you should be okay to register it for it. But please check College Board. Please check if registration is okay. I don't know if, like, a person who lives in Japan can fly over to the U.S. just for the purpose of this SAT. That's a question that I don't actually have the answer for today. But let's say that for some reason you can or you go to a boarding school. Should you take the old SAT? I think that this is really going to depend on what grade are you right now. So if you're a senior and you've already been practicing for this SAT, the current SAT slash old one kind of depends on where you are. Um, if you have the option to take that SAT before the digital comes in, you should take it. That's what you've been studying for. That's what you're probably going to succeed the most on. Take that. If you're a junior as well, um, I think that it would be in your advantage to take the old SAT. Again, if you've been preparing since sophomore year, you should be really comfortable with that um, old format of the SAT. However, if you're a freshman or a sophomore, um, you haven't hit your prime yet, right? I think that the best time to take the SAT, the real sweet spot in terms of all the content that you've been learning in school and all the preparation that you've been doing, that's going to be your junior year. So if you're currently a sophomore, I think it is in your best interest to start studying for the digital SAT and take it when you are a junior. Um, I think that's typically the advice that is given um, across the college counseling world, right? Take it when you're a junior. So if you're one of those younger students, study for the digital SAT. But if you're older, right, if this is your last chance or you want it to be your last chance and you do have the option to take the old SAT in the U.S., I say go for it. Thanks for that. I'm sure that's given um, us a lot to think about. Um, now, I think the uh, the test that's coming up in March will be the first ever digital version, right? For those of us who are still on the fence, either about going abroad to take the old version or having trouble studying for it, do, do you think the March test is worth taking? Or should I just wait until, uh, I guess, the first round of results come out and see what I'm uh, up against? Hmm. Honestly, what's the worst that can happen by taking this test, right? Um, for the record as well, though, College Board is actually currently testing the digital SAT in the international market. Um, I think actually on the 20th of January, they are running a smaller practice. Well, not practice, but they're running a digital SAT in January. And students who are selected to take that SAT actually can use that score to send to colleges. So this will not be the first, per se. It will be the first official, but by the time this podcast comes out, probably, um, there are going to be students who have taken the digital SAT for actual colleges in Japan and probably in other places in the world as well. I would say that there is a benefit to taking it. There definitely are going to be drawbacks, right? There's going to be issues. Um, maybe the proctors aren't going to be fully trained yet. Um, there might be issues with, you know, connecting. Maybe you can't find a place to plug in your device. Bring a charger, by the way, and bring a device that's going to hold a charge for at least three hours. Even though the test isn't three hours long, they want you to do that. But going back, there's no harm in taking the test in March. In fact, it gives you the opportunity to really feel what the testing environment is going to be like. It's going to give you an opportunity to see with your own eyes what the real new digital SAT is. And even if that's not the first, like the last time that you're going to take the SAT, you're going to be better prepared for the next SAT if you take the digital. So my recommendation, take it. There's no harm in doing so. 
Wow, thanks for that. I'm going to go register myself right now. Uh, but for some of our uh, listeners out there who who are a little bit overwhelmed with all of the changes, right, and or just un, full of uncertainty, of course, this is a very important test. It is not cheap, and it's not given out that often. Um, is the ACT a good substitute or a replacement? Um, is this something that uh, um, our students can you know fall back on? Yeah, that's a really great question. ACT versus SAT, right? Um, so both of them are standardized tests, obviously, that are accepted by colleges. I, I've yet to run into a college that says they will not take the ACT. So so you don't have to worry about that, right? Really, it, it depends. So the ACT is a little bit more content heavy than the SAT. The SAT is typically considered a test that challenges your, like your, uh, what's that word? Reasoning, right? Your logic skills. ACT is definitely more content heavy. Like, hey, do you remember this thing? Do you know this thing? Um, something else that the ACT has, it's a science section, right? So my question to those students, right? If you're on the fence about SAT versus ACT, number one, do you feel confident with the science section, right? Do you feel confident with just knowing content? Um, the ACT might be a better test in that regard. Something else to consider is, there are more SAT, I'm sorry, ACT materials out there for studying, right? The ACT has not changed um, in several years. So you have a much wider breadth of official and unofficial materials to study for the ACT. Um, it's familiar. It knows what it's doing, right? All the kinks have been sorted out. So you don't have to worry about, you know, um, the internet crashing or something like that. Although College Board claims that Blue Book is built in a way that if there is an internet crash during the test, students should be able to still finish their test. So, again, I think it's really going to depend on what the student feels comfortable with. Um, if budget is a concern, maybe think about it more seriously. But if you're okay to spend the money on taking both the SAT and the ACT, I also don't see a harm in taking both and just seeing, you know, where did the chips fall? Which one did you score better in? Um, and that might be the strategy to go with. Wow, thanks for that. Um, I'm now wondering if I should register for the SAT or the ACT. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are, are having that uh, same dilemma, right? Um, now, like, since COVID happened, a lot of um, universities have turned to test optional. Now, with that in mind, a lot of our students are often wondering, is it worth it, right? And also, at what point should I just stop trying to, uh, to get a better score? Um, do you have any uh, advice for that? Yeah. Okay. So there's two questions here, right? Is it worth it to take the SAT or any standardized test in a increasingly test optional world? And then, of course, the second question is like, how long do I study before I say like, okay, that's as much as I'm going to do? Let's tackle the first question first. There are definitely still benefits to taking a standardized test. To just name a few, number one is that there are a lot of scholarships that are tied to a standardized test. Um, oftentimes, universities will tie their merit scholarships to SAT scores and ACT scores. So if that's something that you're really looking to um, get from a university, right, that is to the benefit. It's only part of your package, though, so it's not the end-all, be-all. Something else that the SAT does and the ACT as well is it gives you a benchmark, right? It lets you know, compared to the rest of your peers, where are you academically? And this can also help you to decide where is realistic and what is maybe, you know, the 
gosh, what do we call it when it's a dream school? The reach school, the right? Reach school. The reach school. Which schools are the reach schools? Which schools are the I can do them schools? And which schools are the safety schools? Um, this can be determined with your SAT score, right? Oftentimes, a lot of these universities will still post like, hey, Successful applicants are in the 90th percentile, 95th percentile. If you take the SAT, you can see where you are. Are you in that range, right? And this can help to better influence where are you going to apply and where you are not going to apply. I think that there definitely are pros and cons to standardized testing in general. And I imagine that Tyler has talked about this a lot in the Accepted podcast, right? I really fall back on his advice on whether or not taking the SAT is worth it. But in the long run, it cannot hurt. I do not think that it is a disadvantage to take the SAT. And look, if you don't get a good score, you don't have to send it. That's the beauty of test optional colleges, okay? The second question, right? When do I stop practicing? First of all, when do you start practicing? That's an important question. You should start studying for the SAT or the ACT as a sophomore. This is a time where maybe your AP load isn't that heavy, right? Maybe you just have like AP World History, for example. So you have a little bit more time and you also have a lot of time to just build out your skills. It must be so anxiety inducing to be a junior, let alone a senior who hasn't studied the SAT at all and all of a sudden needs to get a 1500. That's scary. Do not let that happen to you. So if you're a sophomore listening to this, or if you're a parent of a sophomore, get them studying now. How much should they study? They should study about 100 hours max. And this can be done all throughout sophomore year and junior year. And then they should take their SAT during their junior year. What does this do? This frees up their senior year in order to really ace those final classes, right? Get all their fives or, you know, I think it's sevens for IBs as well. It also allows them to, you know, really take time to build up their college application, to build their essay, so they don't have to worry about SAT during their senior year. Junior year is also the best time to take the SAT because typically at this point in a student's career, they've covered all the content that the SAT is going to basically test them on, right? I think the highest level of math is typically around Algebra 2. By the time your student is a junior, they likely have taken or are currently enrolled in Algebra 2, minimum. Um, English as well, you should be more than prepared for the English section as a junior. So to recap, right, for SAT, should you take it? The answer is, why not? It helps with scholarships. It gives you benchmarks. Um, and in general, it can be a good addition to your college admissions package, especially if it's a good score. When should you start studying? You should start studying as a sophomore. You should study 100 hours of SAT, take the test during your junior year, and call it done. Focus on your applications, focus on your essay, focus on your classes during that senior year. Do not stress about the SAT during your senior year. Wow. Um, thank you so much, Caitlin, for all of those uh, explanations and wonderful advice. Um, I am just so grateful, and I'm sure our listeners are as well. So if um, some of our students would like to get a more uh, in-depth advice from you or see if there's any way um, to get a prep plan ready for the uh, upcoming SAT, how will we reach you? 
Yeah, great question. So, obviously, we are here at Tokyo Academics. There's a few things that Tokyo Academics is doing for students for the digital SAT. Number one, we are running digital SAT classes,、um, and these will be running all throughout 2023. We're going to have a few intensive lessons.、Um, so, maybe during like spring break, we're going to have a really intensive session. We're going to have cram sessions before each test. So, think the very first test in Jan, uh, in Japan is going to be in March, March 11th. We're planning to have a cram session on March 5th, right? Just four hours. Here are the most important things you need to know in order to ace that test. We also do have private tutoring, right? All of our SAT tutors have been retrained for digital SAT. So if you come here, you're not going to be getting a tutor who Doesn't know what the digital SAT is, right? We're gonna be teaching you with Blue Book. We're gonna be teaching you with the new materials and the old materials that are relevant to the digital SAT.、Um, you can always book a free trial, both for the group classes and the one on one sessions. And you can also talk to the admissions counseling department on how the SAT is going to be a part of your admissions package to the university that you want to go to. Well, thank you for that. And that wraps up our、uh, session for today. Thank you for tuning in to the Accepted Podcast.、Uh, my name is Harry, and I'll catch you guys next time.